Now, we've been singing about the book, and of course, it's a reference to our Holy Bible. I want to read this morning from the Holy Scriptures, and I have two passages that I would like to read today. The first passage is taken from Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 to 41. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And in Psalm 43, we read these words, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing these readings from the Holy Scriptures. A few weeks ago, I commenced a short but necessary series of messages on the holiness of God. Sadly, I believe that this is a most neglected area of study by many of God's people, and certainly a study that's greatly misunderstood. Now, I've already preached on this subject, God's holiness and the character of our sovereign God from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Remember the seraphims to this day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. My second sermon was entitled, God's Holiness and the Curse of Sin, from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Remember, God is of pure eyes and behold iniquity, and canst not look upon sin. Sin cannot abide in the presence of God. Then two weeks ago, I set before you a third message that I entitled, God's Holiness and the Comfort of His Saints from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now today my text is taken from Numbers 15 and the verse 40. It reads that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your 
God. And my theme today is God's holiness and the commands of Scripture. Now, it's interesting in Numbers 15 that Moses, the servant of the Lord, is instructed to speak to the children of Israel. And as he addresses them, he is to give them in specific instruction that they were to make fringes on the borders of their garments. And those fringes were to be sealed with a ribbon of blue. Very strange instruction. Why? God himself gives the answer. Listen to verse 39. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye use to go a whoring. And then he adds in verse 40, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. Now there is a link set forth in the Bible between the commandments of God and the subject of our holiness. Think of our text, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. The same truth is set forth in another psalm, Psalm 43 and verse 5, that I read together to you. It says, O send out thy light and thy truth, let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. And of course, in Psalm 93 and verse 5, we read, Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. And then in John chapter 17, in the high priestly prayer, the Lord Jesus, addressing his heavenly Father, said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the Apostle Paul, who set forth the true nature of the law of God, stated this in Romans 7, verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So there is a link between the commandments of God in the Scriptures, or the law of God, and the subject of biblical holiness. And it's that link that I want us to consider this morning. Now, I want us to think of three things. I want you to think of the substance of biblical holiness. Look at our text. It says, And be holy unto your God. Now, now what is biblical holiness? How are we to define it? What is it in its very essence if we were to put it all into a pot and boil it down and come up with a, a simple statement? You see, I've thought much about this subject all week. I've ate and slept it. And I've thought to myself that many people view the subject of holiness unto the Lord in very negative terms. Don't do this. Don't do that. Or you can't do this. Or you can't do that. And in their mind, they've got a list of text boxes and as long as they can mentally tick 
the boxes, they feel themselves to be okay and fairly good, and they think, well, you know what? I'm a holy person. Now, of course, there is a negative element when it comes to the subject of holiness. A true believer will hate sin. A true believer will repudiate certain things. He will turn away from them. Why? Because he or she has discovered the secret of living as his creator and maker intended. That is, he is living out his life with God at the center and he's listening to his God and learning from him. That individual has come to realize that God has made me for himself. Our catechism tells us, in answer to the question, what is man's chief end? And here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Young people discover today that God has made you for a purpose. That God has a plan for you. That, that God has a pathway for you to walk in. That God is a person for you to follow after. And that person, of course, is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if God has made you for a genuine purpose to glorify and honor him, then even though we are sinful fallen creatures and we're prone to sin, we have a propensity to sin, I believe God will bestow upon us the power to fulfill his purpose. Young people, listen to me this morning. Man's goal in life is not to live for self. It's not to live for sinful pleasures. Yes, there's pleasure in a sin, but it's only for a season. But man's life is not to live for self or sinful pleasures. It's, it's to live his life with God at the very center of his being. Remember the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Now in our text you've got the words, My commandments. And of course most of us when we read that, we think of the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments all about? What has the Ten Commandments got to do with the subject of holiness? Is the Ten Commandments not a list of do's and don'ts from God? See, when we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of the things that God forbids, and we think of the things that God sanctions and that God approves of, things that are bad in God's sight and things that are good. Now, of course, that's only a, a, a small part of the true nature of the law of God. If I was to invite you this morning to turn to Romans chapter 7 and in the verse 12, a very, very interesting scripture. The apostle Paul has said, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Notice the word is. Wherefore the law is is. It doesn't say was. It says is. And yes, that applies to the Apostle Paul's day, but that also applies to our day. The law is holy in Paul's day. The law is holy in our day. And the law here, I believe, is a synonym for the whole of the Bible. Paul is referring to the unchanging nature of the law of God. 
And the law of God is a perfect reflection of who and what God is. Notice there's no verbs here. There's no doing words. It's all nouns. It's, it's adjectives. Young people, this is a very dogmatic statement. He's telling us what the law is. Wherefore, the law is holy. And the commandment holy and just and good. All of the words of Holy Scripture. And one of the most profound things that you could discover about God's law is its holiness. You think of the words, Holy Bible. Why is it called the Holy Bible? Because in its essence, the law of God is perfectly holy. If I was to ask you, how is the law of God summarized today? Remember what the Lord Jesus said in answer to that question, what is the great commandment in the law? And here's what he answered. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You see, young people loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that, I believe, is the very essence of true holiness. It's, it's living with God at the very center of your life. God in the first place, God in the second place, God in the third place. True holiness is not merely a list of do's and don'ts. Yes, there is a negative connotation to biblical holiness. It does contain that. But in its essence, it means loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Loving that all that God is. Loving that all that God has revealed himself because God is holy. And that, of course, includes listening to God. That includes learning from God. That includes desiring to do all that pleases him. That, that means living in obedience to him. See, I believe that everything else will end in failure. Anything short of this ultimate goal in the Christian life will end in failure. Anything less than this being your chief interest in your life will not make you merry. It'll make you miserable. You cannot make any progress on the subject of biblical holiness. You're going to fail in your pursuit of holiness until this biblical God is at the center of your life and you love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. I believe that the true, true key to biblical holiness is having God in the throne room of your life. You're doing what he wants. You're not living for self. You're not living for sin. You're living for God. You're, you're loving him. You're, you're wanting to live a life for his glory. See, I, I believe that it's unscriptural to think of anything less than loving and listening and living for God is true biblical holiness. And loving God and living for God includes so much. Of course, it includes a knowledge of God, who he is and what he's like and what he is doing and what he has done. And of course, there, there's also a glad and full, joyful submission to God. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ? He said in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. 
You see, the law of God has not been done away with. The law is holy. The law is just and good. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law cannot save us. But the law does show us our sinfulness. Because the law is spiritual. The law is holy. The law is just. The law is good. And the law reflects the glory and the image of our God. And remember, of course, a copy of the law summarized in the Ten Commandments was put inside the ark of God that was placed in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle and in the temple. The law, of course, in itself doesn't make us holy. But the law of God is holy in itself. And the law of God is an expression of what true holiness is because the law of God teaches us what God is like, teaches us who God is, and teaches us what God has done. I think of the story of one young Englishman. I believe he was at university in Oxford many, many years ago. And this young man was the star of the cricket team. And in those days, there were very few professional cricketers they, they were certainly not in the majority. Um, many were simply known as gentlemen, and those that were uh, professional cricketers were known as the professionals. And many a time, the gentlemen played the professionals. But these young men played all over England the sport of cricket. And of course, this young man, who was the star of the cricket team, the captain, he, he was on the social ladder on the way up. He was being earmarked for political office. This young man, of course, himself was on top of the rich list. And this young man got saved. He entered into a true personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ and the God of heaven. And God himself got a grip of his life. And this young man began to think about being a cricketer. And he thought to himself, batting a ball is no big thing. And this young man gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And this young man, of course, decided before God he was going to become a missionary. And he ended up a missionary to China with the um, uh, China Inland Mission started by Hudson Taylor. He became a missionary to India and um, was there for a time, but bad health brought him home. And, and then after being home and recovered, he set out again for Africa. This young man married a Lisbon girl whose name was Priscilla. And I want to tell you, before they get married, this young man had a great fortune. He had 250,000 pounds. And of course, that was a lot of money in those days. Equivalent, I'm told, to be about 25 million pounds today. And at the wedding, he told Priscilla, his bride-to-be, that he was going to keep a part of it to pay for the wedding. And Priscilla protested, and she told him she would not marry a man who would keep back a part from God. And this star of the cricket team, this man who got saved and became a missionary and, and was marrying this girl called Priscilla, he had a slogan in life, and this was his slogan. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make from him. And that, of course, young cricketer was none other than C.T. Studd. I want to ask you this morning as you listen, are you a true believer? Have you the experience of the new birth? Do you testify today to the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? And if he's your Lord and Savior, what is your goal in life? Is it to love God 
with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Is it to live for him? Is, is he at the center of your being so that you want to live to please him? And, and you will say with the, the psalmist, I will serve him because I, I love him. Is he first and foremost in your life? Remember again the words of Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. That I believe, young people, those who are listening today, that is the very essence and that is the very substance of true holiness. Think again even of our text this morning. And be holy unto your God. Your God. The one who has redeemed you and reconciled you to himself. The one who has received you as one of his children. Do you know him? Are you living for him? The second thing I want to teach you this morning is this. The source of biblical holiness. It says in our text that you remember... And do all my commandments. You see, in the pursuit of a life of true biblical holiness, I want to set before you that God Himself, as the living and the true God, is the ultimate source of our holiness. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ? He's in prayer, John 17 and 17. He's addressing His heavenly Father. In fact, He calls Him. Holy Father, there's only one Holy Father in the world, and it's certainly not the Pope. It's God in heaven. And this, of course, John 17, is a great prayer. And he's asking his Father to do a number of things for his people. If you read the prayer, there's actually six things that he mentions. And one of those things is this. What does he say? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's praying, Father, those whom thou hast chosen, those whom thou hast called in time, those whom thou hast cleansed in the blood, those whom thou hast cared for, those that thou hast had compassion on, those that thou hast counseled, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to do something for them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Now, what does the word sanctify mean? It means set them aside for yourself. Set them aside for your service. And of course, part of that means that the true child of God will learn more and more to die unto sin, die unto self. He won't live for self, he'll live unto God. And he'll be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, and this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So I want you to learn something this morning. This biblical holiness, this sanctification that we talk about, it starts with God himself. In fact, I also believe it ends with God. I believe it's all of God. I believe it's all of grace. Remember what we read in the scriptures? In the beginning, God. And it tells us then what God did. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning, God created all things out of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days. And whether it's the work of redemption, whether it's the work of regeneration and justification and propitiation and reconciliation and, and, and sanctification, glorification and adoption, it all starts with God as the living and the true God. Oh, that we could discover this morning that true holiness starts with God. 
And God, of course, uses as his primary instrument his word or his truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. How? Through thy truth. Now, of course, that's something that's not widely known. It's not something that's greatly understood. The Bible is all about a revelation of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a revelation of who God is. A revelation of what he is like and what he's doing and what he has done in our world. It's interesting that there in John chapter 17 and in the verse 3 we read these words. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, in order to love God and to live for him, you've got to come to know him. You've got to have a knowledge of him. And where do you get that knowledge? Well, you get it in the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is a revelation of God. It's a revelation of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who's the very image of God. See, young people understand this, that true holiness doesn't start with man. It starts with God, who God is and what he's like. True holiness doesn't involve trying to use God. See, people use God today as a means to help. They've got a problem that they want to solve, and they see God as a tool to meeting their need. But true holiness is seeing who God is. Seeing that he's the high and lofty one that dost inhabit us eternity. Seeing him as one who is thrice holy. Seeing him as the everlasting God. Seeing him on the throne. Seeing him who is transcendent. Seeing him who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Seeing him as being the very one for whom all things throughout the whole of the world exist. Remember what we read in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, in relation to true holiness, young people, God cannot be regulated to a second place. God cannot be shoved into the background. God must be in the foreground. God must be central because true biblical holiness is not man-centered, it's God-centered. And the God of the Bible brings us face to face with our true selves because when we come face to face with God, we begin to see our sin. We begin to see our selfishness. We begin to see our our sinful ways. And then, of course, the Bible says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And what do we chiefly mourn about? Well, well, we, we, we certainly mourn about our sin. Remember the psalmist, and he said in Psalm 51, and in the uh, verse uh, 5, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
Verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. See, let's remember the Holy Scriptures teaches us the whole truth about who God is. It's a revelation of God's words. A revelation of God's works. A revelation of God's ways. A revelation of God's will. And the primary purpose of the Bible is to bring us face to face with God. So that we can have a true knowledge of God. That that we might be saved. That we might have eternal life. That we might have a true knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Remember what we read in the scriptures in John chapter 1. We read there, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was with God in the beginning. And then we read in verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, you have to know God. And you have to come to understand a bit about God's plan and purpose for your life. And of course, at the very heart of that plan and purpose for our lives is found in the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 2, we read, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, all that God is and all that God is doing is to bring about this purpose. And that involves discovering God's work in us by the Holy Scriptures. That includes reading the Bible. And I would encourage you to read your Bible more than any other book if you want to be holy. That includes listening to the Bible. Not only hearing it preached on, but as you read the Scriptures... Say to your soul, God is speaking to me out of the book. Learning our Bible. Remember the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to learn to memorize the scriptures. And then, of course, there's there's living our Bible. Think of our text that you may remember and do all my commandments. It's not enough to read. It's not enough to listen. It's not enough to learn. We have got to do. The word of God has got to be lived out. This is not just mere intellectual assent to certain truths. You can be very orthodox, I believe, and still also be very carnal in certain areas. You could even be orthodox and still be spiritually dead and trespasses and sin. And your orthodoxy, all you believe, has no value. You must have a vital saving relationship with God by Jesus Christ. God's truth must be lived out, not only negatively, but spiritually in your life. It must be experienced. It must remember who God is, the greatness of God, the grace of God, the goodness, the glory of God. You see, you can't read the scriptures without failing to realize and discover who God is. Because God is light. God is life. And as you read and discover who God is, then as a sinner you're humbled. And you discover you're dead in sin. You discover that you're 
darkened as far as your mind and understanding is concerned. You discover that your emotions are diseased. And, and of course, that's why you, you must be born again. And, and the sinner then confesses his sin, the sin of pride, seeking his own way. Um, uh, he, he says to God, Lord, deliver me from doing what I want. And even though the sinner struggles with sin, he, he, he recognizes what sin is. It's a transgression of the law, knowing to do good and doing it not. To him it is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And then it's the sinner looking away to Jesus Christ, the, the Savior of sinners. It's the sinner bringing his sin to Christ and, and, and confessing that and pleading the merits of the blood. Remember, the scripture tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Think of an individual who would say to the Lord, Lord, I'm a covetous man. Lord, take covetousness away from me. But what is that man living for? Is he laboring to be rich? Has he got a love of money? Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible tells us, labor not to be rich. So that man with a covetous spirit has to take seriously what the Scripture says. The Bible says, if your riches increase, set not your heart upon them. And of course, our heart mustn't be on the riches. It has to be in the Redeemer. The Redeemer is to be at the center of our life if we're going to pursue and make progress in this area of biblical holiness. But, but this applies to every area. It applies to the Sabbath day. And I appreciate you're not in the house of God today. You're listening at home on your uh, live broadcast. But the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it's not unjust of God who's given us seven days to ask for one. It's not the demand of a tyrant. It's the, the command of a, a loving creator. And the sad thing is today, many are leaving God out. Many are living independently of God. And, and, and you, you think of the multiplicity of areas in which um, God has been sinned against. You think about murder, think about abortion, think about homosexuality, think about adultery, think about theft, think about taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and, and you see, many have not only left God out of their life, but they have no knowledge of who God is because they're no longer reading and learning from and listening to and living out the Holy Scriptures. So here's the source of biblical holiness. It starts with God, as God has revealed himself in the Bible. And the primary instrument that God uses is his truth, his holy word. The last thing that I want to teach you this morning is this, is the strength of biblical holiness. Think of these words that ye may remember. You see, those fringes on the borders of the garments of the children of Israel were looked upon as fringes of remembrance. And they looked upon that um, ribbon of blue. And of course, the color blue reminds us of heaven. And of course, it's a reminder that God's commands are of heavenly origin. And that God's people are to be a heavenly-minded people. And that God's commands are laws from heaven for, for life and earth. And you think of the blue sky. You look up and you remember God is creator and maker. You see, I believe this morning it's a lie of the devil that God wants you to be miserable, that God wants to deprive you of true joy and inner happiness. See, people today, imagine if you want to be truly happy, 
then you've got to break free from God. Live without God. Live independent of God. Break free from his commandments. His commandments are too strict or or too stern. It's a lie of the devil, young people. It's a lie being taught by the world. The television, the literature of today, the universities, the the philosophies of men. It's a lie. If you know God and do right and, and live for God's glory, that you'll be miserable and joyless. It's a lie of ungodly men. Because true biblical holiness is a work in which the individual cooperates. He cooperates with God as far as his his mind is concerned. Think of this word, remember. It, It literally means think biblically. See the areas that God has commanded by the word of God. See things taught in the word of God. See the path before him. See that certain things don't change. Remember the Lord says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Things in which God has laid down laws for the regulation of our life. So that our life can be governed and guided by the word of God. Paul says, I delight in the law after the inward man. The psalmist said, I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. You see, it's a delight. It's a desire. It's not something that's strict. It's not something that's too severe. There there has to be a joy in doing the will of God. Can I close this morning with this illustration? I remember hearing in Portrush the voice of a lady preaching over the airwaves. Discovered that that lady afterwards was called Alma McAllister. She told me a story as we stood there, having asked me was I saved, and I told her I was, that she was a missionary, and she had been living in the Belgian Congo, it was formerly known, and she was made to line up with a bunch of other ladies and men, her husband was in the front line, she was in the next line, and they were about to be machine gunned to death. And I asked her how she reacted in that situation. And she said she closed her eyes and prayed. And she held the hand of her friend. And she said to her friend this. Think of this. That in 30 seconds, we're going to see the Lord. was not tremendous. You see... Why? Because she was living for the Lord. She loved him with all her heart and mind and strength. Not perfectly, but purposefully. And I would say to you young people this morning, don't fill your life and fill your mind with what Westlife has to say or Beyonce or Rihanna or Madonna. Fill your mind with the word of God. Have a true prospectus in life. You see, if you begin to think biblically, Here's the strength of biblical holiness. It will impact upon you spiritually. You will put your physical life below the spiritual life. You'll put your spiritual life first. That will be most important. And you will hold things temporal and material very loosely. And you'll recognize that the treasures of earth are nothing in light of the great eternity. And you'll live in light of eternity. And your thought will be, when I see Christ, of course it'll be worth it all. You see, that has to be the proper prospectus in life. Many people would love to go to visit Rome. Italy's in lockdown today. I I have never been in the uh, city of Rome. But if I was going to visit Rome, I want to tell you I wouldn't be wanting to see the Vatican, even though it's got beautiful architecture. If it were possible, I would love to go into the catacombs. And I would love to look at the inscription on the walls of those who laid down their lives for Jesus Christ 
in the first century under the reign of Emperor Nero. People who were thrown to the lions. People who were made to fight gladiators. People who died for Jesus Christ and the honor of Christ. How was that possible? Because they had discovered the secret of life was that God gave them tremendous strength because they were thinking biblically of him. And I put that to you this morning. Here's God's holiness and the commands of Scripture. Let's discover the essence of biblical holiness. Let's discover the source. Let's be bookworms in that sense. There is a book that comes to be. God has given us the book, the Holy Bible. Let's rediscover a delight and a love for the Holy Scriptures. And let this proper prospectus in life, where we're thinking biblically, putting the spiritual life first, holding things temporal loosely, living in light of eternity, when we'll see the Lord Jesus, let that be our prospectus, even in the midst of this coronavirus that we face. The Lord bless you this morning. And thank you for listening.